0: This is Barry's Alma speaking for Claim School Incorporated's blogs, Alma on insurance. Today, rather than summarizing or digesting a case, we're going to talk about punitive damages and how punitive damages put fear of insolvency into a defendant, especially defendants who are insurance companies. For more than 56 years, I have personally seen the fear in the faces of corporate executors faced with the suit claiming wrongful conduct and punitive damages. Even those who knew that they had acted properly and fairly, and that the allegations of the suit were totally spurious, the fear and trembling engendered by a suit seeking punitive damages is patent. The defendant, who should be leading a charge like General Patton, acts more like Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, ready to seek solace. Defendants seem to prefer to appease a plaintiff rather than litigate good and viable defenses. Unless counsel advises a 100% chance of total victory, a statement that no trial lawyer will ever make, the defendant does not want to go to trial and is willing to pay more than it owes to avoid the potential of a serious punitive damages judgment. Contrary to common belief, the chances of a suit seeking punitive damages, actually obtaining an award of punitive damages, is very small. Defendants often incorrectly concentrate on trial verdicts and overlook that almost all civil litigation matters where punitive damages are found end up in out-of-court settlements for much less than the award if it goes to trial at all. Verdicts are but punitive damages verdicts are more like the tip of the proverbial iceberg than evidence of a trend. Practical evidence indicates that the small number of trials affect decisions in the vast majority of lawsuits that do not proceed to trial. Verdicts are taken as important si- signals to the litigants, it's important to first understand the basic dynamics of a lawsuit. Most of the work in pretrial litigation is designed to provide the litigants with enough information to allow them to reach an amicable settlement. A large punitive damages verdict skews the evidence available to the litigants and causes plaintiffs to demand more than their cases are truly worth and defendants to pay more than they should to resolve a suit seeking punitive damages. Under basic American litigation practice, the plaintiff has the opening strategic advantage. A plaintiff with a weak case places the defendant in the position of having to defend himself and therefore incurring massive legal costs or else the defendant will be liable for the full claim on a default judgment. Even a defendant facing a suit that has no merit and no chance of success before a court will often be willing to pay an amount that is less than his prospective defense costs to settle the case and make it go away. Appeasement of the plaintiff is to corporate defendants an economical and best solution to litigation. Of course, when it happens, it makes them an obvious target for more such suits. According to various studies, the cost of defense in an average tort lawsuit ranges from 6000 to 10000 to $10 million, depending on the kind of suit and the litigants involved. A litigant with even a mildly plausible basis for an average suit can often expect a nuisance settlement value within the range of six to $10,000. Most often, a defendant is willing to pay a settlement up to the amount of his defense costs in order to avoid having to respond to the plaintiff's complaint and pay egregious amounts to lawyers. The main determining factor of whether a filed lawsuit will yield a settlement to the plaintiff is the credibility of the threat made by the suit. The defendant and counsel for the defendant determine the probability of a verdict favorable to the plaintiff if the case goes to trial before a jury. If the probability is that the plaintiff will succeed, The defendant then analyzes the likely amount of damages that the plaintiff could obtain from a trier of fact in the jurisdiction where the suit is filed and then commence negotiations towards settlement in a frivolous or marginal lawsuit or lawsuits with a doubtful chance of success at trial. Settlements often occur because the defendant rarely knows the merits of the claim with any level of certainty. Since refusing to take a valid claim seriously can be quite costly, a frivolous plaintiff may be able to take advantage of the defendant's uncertainty regarding the claim's validity to extract a substantial settlement. The Supreme Court Court of the United States ruling in State Farm Mutual Automobile Insurance Company versus Campbell, decided in two thousand and three, limits by thinking of due process the multipliers that can be applied when setting punitive damages, that being a multiplier of the amount of compensatory damages awarded. In addition, the uncertainty posed by the prospect of unlimited punitive damages combined with the relative probability of a punitive damage award if a case goes to jury trial provide litigants who demand punitive damages with potent leverage against risk-averse defendants like insurance companies or candidates for the presidency and tip the balance in settlement bargains in favor of litigants with weak or even frivolous cases. The California Supreme Court, in a concurring and dissenting opinion by Justice Clark, stated the reality of punitive damages as follows, Punitive damages are an anomaly in our civil jurisprudence. The civil law is concerned with vindicating rights and compensating persons for harm suffered as a result of infringement upon those rights. A plaintiff's customarily made whole for infringement by compensatory damages. Punitive damages awarded to him rather than to the government constitute a windfall or unjust enrichment for the plaintiff. Close quote. The windfall about which Justice Clark spoke is impossible to resist for a plaintiff to resist the temptation to sue for punitive damages. And why California has been subject to thousands of insurance bad faith cases claiming punitive damages. The principal criticism to the concept of punitive damage rest recognized by Justice Clark is that standards are so vague that the determination whether to award punitive damages is left to the absolute and unguided jury discretion. Punitive damage demands, especially if other litigants had obtained a successful punitive damages judgment, will provide the plaintiff with strong bargaining power, even with a weak or frivolous case. It does so in two ways. One, by increasing the size of a prospective jury award by an unpredictable and potentially enormous amount if the case is taken to trial, and two, by increasing the legal costs that a defendant will have to incur to fight the suit at trial. The presence of a punitive damages demand provides leverage for the plaintiff to force a higher settlement value from a suit. The presence of a punitive damages demand often requires a more expensive, extensive, costlier, and more time-consuming defense by the defendants. Defending against such extraordinary claims usually requires a more expensive discovery process than ordinary damage claims. Lawyers representing clients faced with a suit seeking punitive damages must do a serious analysis of the facts of the law and advise the client in accordance with the potential for the plaintiff obtaining an award of punitive damages. If there is a potential equal or better than 50% settlement negotiations should be entered, With advice to the plaintiff that punitive damages are taxable to the plaintiff and might not be useful to him or her. If, on the other hand, the case seeking punitive damages is spurious, the client should tell its counsel to defend through trial and any possible appeals and refuse to pay tribute to the plaintiff. For further details, see my book, Insurance, Bad Faith, and Punitive Damages, desk book, available from Full Court Press at the Fastcase bookstore at http-fastcase.com. This video was adapted from that book and is available free to anyone who subscribes to the url zelma.com slash blog. If you subscribe to the blog, you will be given notice of every blog posting, usually five, sometimes six a week, and access to the more than 4,700 blog postings. You can also subscribe to the videos on YouTube and rumble.com, also free. And if you do, I'd appreciate it if you click on the like button on YouTube and the thumbs up button on rumble.com. If you're interested in further detail about insurance, insurance law, insurance claims, and insurance fraud, please consider subscribing to my Substack publications for a very small fee. Thank you for your attention.